0: Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you. So you're empowered with knowledge that helps you make better decisions in your life. Today's show, well, it's Friday. So what does it start out with? Clark stinks. In addition, I've got a going back to basics segment with my favorite method of investing, And it's something that shouldn't be controversial, but really is dollar-cost averaging. But right now, we get to hear how you feel I stunk it up. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should
1: be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal.
0: those of you who watch our video version of the podcast, you just missed Krista dancing to the tune.
1: That wasn't good dancing.
0: That was was fine dancing. Nobody ever wants to see me dancing. Ever. (laughs) Ever.
1: Clark was talking about traveling to Europe, and he said that he bought a ticket to New York, and then he bought a separate ticket to fly to Europe. What Clark fails to mention is that if you had checked bags, you would have to go collect your bags and then go back through security again. Most people will travel with bags, but Clark never talks about this fact. It seems like it would only work if you didn't have any checked baggage. Matt.
0: Matt, thank you. It is an inconvenience flying to one city to then fly to where you're going to. The fare differences are so extreme on international fares out of New York to I mean pretty much around the globe, to South America, out of Miami, and out of Los Angeles, Seattle, sometimes San Francisco, to Asia or to the South Pacific. That it is worth it for your wallet to put up with the inconvenience of buying two separate tickets. In many cases the cost of a ticket to Europe as an example is one third the cost out of New York, what it is out of the rest of the country outside the mid Atlantic and Northeast region. The answer to your question, though, is I didn't even think about talking about a check bag because I never, ever, ever check a bag. I am carry on only. And if you're going to travel my way, you need to do carry on. By the way, for your flight overseas, out of New York, Miami, or the West Coast, remember this, leave plenty of time between your domestic flight to the gateway and your flight overseas to account for the possibility of a flight delay or cancellation. Because if you miss your flight to the international gateway and you lose that flight overseas, you've lost all your money.
1: Clark stinks worse than an apartment complex downwind of a landfill. Ooh. He often claims that everyone should use good RX to get the cheapest prescriptions, even going off insurance and paying fully out of pocket. We reach out of max pocket every year due to chronic health issues with a child. If we were to follow this advice and go off of insurance and pay fully out of pocket, all the costs of those prescriptions would not count towards our max out of pocket. We would end up paying that money anyway. In our case, the cost of the prescriptions doesn't really matter because we're predictably reaching max out of pocket every year. And if we don't pay it to the pharmacy, we'll just end up paying it somewhere else instead. And then he says, each individual situation is different. I cringe every time I hear him recommend this as a one size for all solution. Sincerely, Daniel in Texas.
0: Daniel, thank you for giving a completely different perspective. You bring up a very valid point for someone who has chronic health issues. You're right. I think very linearly. I talk about, well, this is how much they rip you off, blah, blah, blah. And you point out a situation where what I've said does not apply. And I appreciate you widening the explanation of how to save money on prescription drugs.
1: I'm a big fan of Clark, but you missed the mark with your response about Timu and child labor. Ultimately, you focused on the cost and not the ethical issue. You even said that you would need to use the site more to see if there's a benefit. I can be as cheap as the next person, but there are sometimes other factors that come into play, and they send an article from the LA Times about the child labor. I hope that you will reconsider Tom.
0: Tom, I also have now read that article in the LA Times, and I have not ordered from Timu again until the uncertainties surrounding it and I don't order from Shein, but there are also allegations of abuses with child labor and other things like that with uh, Shein and as well with Timu. So I've never ordered, because I don't care about fashion, Shein, And I've stopped ordering from Timu after. I ordered three times from them. The other thing with Timu is they will text you 3,000 times a day. Oh, my goodness. They are <laughs> marketers to a fault. It is a hassle factor to the max. I've never seen merchandise that is lower cost, really, than what's available at these Chinese websites, although Xi'an claims to be uh, Singaporean now. But there does come the questions about child labor and other labor abuses.
1: Clark doesn't stink, but shouldn't underestimate the value of class action lawsuits as recently mentioned on your podcast. Take the recent Porsche gas engine settlement. It covered sports cars and SUVs built for a period in the early 2010s. It covered cars, whether they were purchased new or used. My 2014 model that I bought used a few years ago was included in the class action settlement. The application said to expect about $200 depending on the number of claims. I was pleasantly surprised when a check for $648 arrived. Wow. So sometimes it pays to keep your eyes open for these. Ken.
0: Ken, thank you very much because uh, that's the largest I think we've ever heard from someone from a class action because so often it's kind of a joke what you end up getting. And I think the worst abuse that we've seen in the last 10 years with class actions was Equifax getting that sweetheart settlement where they destroyed protection from identity theft of half of Americans with their massive data breach, and they ended up having to pay restitution of basically nothing to people. And that can be a real problem with class actions. You gave an example where a class action actually brought real dollars to you.
1: Two people wrote in about this. I'm disappointed that you and Krista read aloud, or I read aloud, a Native American slur in reference to the former name of the Washington NFL team when reading a note from a listener. I generally enjoy listening to your show, but you occasionally say things that make me think you were stuck in the 1980s, and this certainly confirmed this feeling for me. Best, Jimmy.
0: Jimmy, thank you. Um, You know, Krista, you didn't even know that the Washington football team.
1: I didn't know until I read new these name posts. Now, I um, d- I just the Commanders.
0: I think is what it is. Okay. And so you read as written and didn't know that I didn't there'd been all catch these issues no. about the Cleveland baseball team and the Washington football team and stuff like that. I mean, I'd like heard that. about
1: issues. I just didn't, yeah, it didn't register and now it will. So I,
0: I you know, when you read that, I was like, you know, I didn't say anything. I was like, oh, it's so interesting that the person with the post called the team by his old name and so I just let it go by okay
1: Clark you smell like the inside of a mildewy car in summer I followed your advice that I've heard you say multiple times about booking rental cars I booked through Expedia months ago and then watched the prices as I got closer to my trip I canceled because Expedia had basically the same rates I paid but now for a bigger more comfortable car When I read the cancellation policy, it said $50 cancellation fee charged if a rental canceled up to 24 hours before check-in. I mistakenly thought this meant that it would be $50 if I canceled inside 24 hours of checking in. Well, Mr. Howard... They took their $50 and Expedia said there's nothing they can do about it. It's a vendor policy to charge a $50 cancellation fee anytime between booking and 24 hours prior. If canceled inside the 24 hours, then it's 100% non-refundable. On the plus side, I'm getting a bigger, more comfortable car, but I'm paying more than what I would have originally. But you should tell your listeners to pay close attention to cancellation policies and maybe even ask a customer rep before doing so. Stephen.
0: Stephen, I- I've never heard of this happening. I've I I would say almost every car rental I ever book, I resho- well I reshop all of them, and almost always I get a lower rate when I reshop. I've never had a fee for canceling. I'm guessing Expedia forced you to prepay for the rental upfront, and because I don't know how else you would have had the fee. I never prepay for a car rental, never, Um, and so I've not experienced this, I'm going to keep my eyes open for this possibility, but you just brought something completely new to me, and why did you call me Mr. Howard?
1: I'm not very creative when it comes to ways to describe your infrequent stinkiness, so I'll just say that I found your advice yesterday to the parents of the 28-year-old son that moved home to be a little smelly. And by the way, several people wrote in about this, Clark. You were right when you said that there's something else going on with this situation. But since we've been through this ourselves recently, we thought we'd share some advice from our own experience. When our 28-year-old son asked to come home and live to get back on his feet, we laid out some very clear guidelines that he had to agree to before we allowed him to move in. One, he had to work a minimum of six plus days per week two we would take full control of his finances this meant we had access to all of his online accounts so that we could see exactly what was coming in and what was going out and where Three, we started him on your podcast that he could hear advice not only from us, but from you. That sounds like cruel punishment. (laughs) Discretionary spending was capped at $100 per month. I still think this was too high, but it was the agreement we made, so we stuck to it. We figured since we were providing everything he could possibly need, room, board, food, internet, and television, that there should be no need for him to spend any money beyond paying off his debts. We also required that he be out on his own within 12 months. This meant with our help, he had to lay out a plan for how he was going to make that happen. Well, 14 months later, he had paid off everything except his car. He purchased a home with his partner and he left with skills that should keep him out of trouble in the future. Carl in Richmond. Carl,
0: that is really an interesting tough love story. It worked. And I'm curious, what kind of reactions... Did you have, you said several people wrote. Yeah, that. it
1: just felt like you're being too easy on it. Like that they needed to be, they needed to be tougher with the kid or make them go live with roommates. One person said kid, the adult that they <laughs> should get roommates, like other things like that. So.
0: Okay. I really appreciate the perspective because as I shared earlier, you know, when we had the question before one in three, I think it is now adult children come back boomerang back into the household.
1: Clark doesn't stink, but someone else does. They reported that your personal account number doesn't appear on checks generated via bank bill pay. That is not always true. I just pulled out a bank bill pay check that I sent to myself, and sure enough, my personal checking, routing, and account numbers appear on the check. Everyone should send themselves a check to know if their particular bank uses the bank's or the account holder's numbers on these checks. Rick.
0: Okay, Rick, this is so funny because I checked whether the bill pay service I use Uses my account number or not, and they don't. So it was uh, just as we had heard before, it was a generic number not tied back to me. So you're right, Rick. It depends completely on the bill pay service you use and the financial institution you use, whether the numbers at the bottom of that check could cause you uh, the, the theft problem of money of your account or not.
1: Two for one here. Clark, you may have forgotten your deodorant when you told Katie in North Carolina to keep the money they were saving to buy a house in 11 or 12 years in a Vanguard money market fund. Why not tell them to put some of the money in FDIC-insured CDs? Since they won't need the money for a while, the trade-off of reduced liquidity for higher yield makes sense for them. I recently put our kids' December college tuition payment into a six-month CD, and that will earn us an extra $100 over keeping it in a money market fund. Katie's probably putting away a lot more money and for a lot longer, so the extra half a percentage point or so that CDs will earn would add up to a lot of money. Then they also say... Also, when you advised Denise in Alabama of ways to back up her photos, you forgot to mention that Amazon Prime offers unlimited photo storage. This feature offers the added benefit of turning Amazon devices such as Echoes, Kindles, and Sticks into digital photo frames, allowing you to enjoy the photos you've stored. Mahalo, Rob from Hawaii. Which
0: is funny because we talked about that a few months ago and you had said you were going to do it.
1: Haven't done it. Nope. Okay. Okay. I have mine stored in Google Photos, and so my Google devices act as frames too.
0: So your CD advice is right on the money right now. CD rates are so much more generous than they used to be. You got the FDIC insurance, and you lock in that rate for that period of time. I love CD ladders because we don't know exactly when interest rates are going to move down. So you take 20% of the money, put it in one year, 20% in two, 20% in three, 20% in four, and 20% in a five-year CD, and you properly spread out your money. And thank you for your double post of information, Rob. And I appreciate everybody who posts on Clark Stinks. You have no idea how helpful it is to widen my horizons And have me look at things from a different perspective. And at times where you think I'm just plain dumb, to let me know that too. It's so valuable. And coming straight ahead, we're gonna talk about something that I am a strong believer in that a lot of people in the financial media say that I'm all wet about dollar cost averaging. Dollar cost averaging. It's been a friend of mine for well my whole adult life not really a friend but it's something that i have believed in for as long as i learned about investing by today's standards i guess i started late i opened my first ira when i was 19 i have been a big believer in steady as you go it's it's how my whole mentality works i am somebody who believes that one step at a time is how successful habits are built and with money as well. Now, there's story after story and post after post and video after video about why people who believe in dollar cost averaging are just idiots. Okay, so first, the most basic, what is dollar cost averaging? The idea is that you put in a set amount of money into an investment month after month after month. So if you're doing a Roth IRA and you set it up where you're putting in so much money every month, you're dollar cost averaging. When you do a 401k at work, you are automatically dollar cost averaging because money is going in each pay period or each month into the fund or funds you select in that 401k. It means in the short term, investments in markets, stock markets, bond markets, whatever, they go up and down, up and down like an ocean wave. And a lot of people freak out from the downs. And so it changes their behavior and they say, it's not safe for me to have my money in here. So the idea of dollar cost averaging is that there's actually a benefit to you in pay cycles and months where the market goes down, because in those months, your same dollars buy you more shares in what you're buying. It's a great leveler in that you ride with the market without fearing it by putting money in regularly. Because what I worry about is the psychology that takes over people in investing. That if you think about money coming in in a big chunk, money coming out in a big chunk, you often will make an emotional decision and choose, oh, I got to get out now and wait till it's safe again. Well, it's been shown behaviorally over and over again that when people get freaked out by the investment markets and what's happening, that they pull out and they wait way, 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 way too long to get back in and when they get back in, the cost of buying in is much higher because it takes a long time for them to cross that psychological hurdle that it's safe to be in again. But if you look over the long haul, being steady, Eddie, just riding through down markets, staying in through up markets, obviously, but more important, that you're in through the ups and downs, that over time you will make more money. Now, yes. If somebody ignored the psychology of people and you just put a big lump sum in and you left it alone, you would have more money years down the road than somebody who dollar costs average. But the truth is the way we think, the way human nature and behavior and psychology take over, the lump sum kind of investor is also more likely to be the one who when the market goes through a rough time, panics, and sells your holdings and sits on the sidelines way too long. If people could just have ice water in their veins and stay in, then yes, my method dollar cost averaging would be inferior. But I also look at this. Building a habit is so important because you may have the best of intentions to put money in a Roth, somehow it just doesn't seem to happen. But if you set it up where automatically money is going in month after month, it's just like the thing with 401ks. When a company automatically enrolls you, people overwhelmingly stay in and they end up with money down the road. Building habits with how you handle money is key to long-term financial security. And that's why I love dollar cost averaging
1: so very much. Krista? Okay, this first question's from Mary Lynn in Georgia. She says, what is the best dishwasher for the money? We cook a lot and we have a lot of company.
0: So with something like that, first of all, congratulations to you. I don't know, this is a literal fact, I have no idea. We have some kind of complicated oven. I cannot figure out how to turn on our oven.
1: <laughs> Convenient.
0: <laughs> well, oh, that's an excuse. Can't turn it on. Okay. So dishwashers, I go to Consumer Reports or something like that. Dishwashers do not rank highly. The very best dishwashers get, and the way I interpret Consumer Reports stuff, they basically get a C rating. And most dishwashers uh, barely scrape by with the C. But the thing that's interesting is that uh, you can buy a lower cost dishwasher and have a score really equivalent to the highest cost dishwashers. There's no reason you have to spend a zillion on a dishwasher to get great results.
1: Most of them are Bosch. I mean, you got to see, like, then they're expensive. I just went through this and I did get a Bosch. I got one of the lesser, the less expensive ones, but I mean, it is amazing. It does a great job.
0: So the highest rated recommended one, though, is the cheapest of the Bosch. That's the one
1: I got, actually. So you got that one, but still. $848 none of them, $48 is None
0: the, of them rank really high, but there are a number of mid-market ones that gets scores pretty similar. So what I recommend is go to your library or your library app or buy one-time access to Consumer Reports before you buy a dishwasher to see what is the best combination of quality, reliability, and price. But again, you could be very disappointed even with one of those Bosch's, one of the very best ones, because none of them rank very highly. Uh, For some reason, dishwashers are an area that has not really achieved high quality and reliability over time as a product. Maybe we ask too much of them.
1: Maybe we do. Okay, James in South Carolina says, I've been setting aside money during the student loan pause, and now the interest and payments are starting back up. I'm ready to pay them off in full $25,000. My credit score is 815. How much of a hit should I expect my credit score to take when those accounts close? I don't need another credit card, but is it worth applying for one to offset the hit I take?
0: Yes, it is worth applying for a credit card to uh, get additional credit in place. The payment record you've had on the student loans, if it's been a good one, will remain A positive one for you going forward. It just won't be active credit in your profile. And that could cause you some hit, which is why getting an additional credit card as you're considering before you pay off the student loans is a really good idea. Also, I see you went to a very, very, very expensive private school for university, one that has a fantastic reputation.
1: You can tell by the email address.
0: Yes. And the fact that you have just, just $25,000 in student loans left is wonderful because we hear from people who go to these very high-end private schools who have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt, and you're about to have zero. So go for it, get that credit card, pay off those student loans.
1: Vicki in Montana wrote in. She says, I'm looking to purchase a used car for my daughter, ten to $15,000. Ooh,
0: that used to be an easy price ban. That's not so easy anymore.
1: Yes, the market for this price range is not what I expected. What is your opinion on rebuilt titles, totaled cars that are rebuilt? They could be totaled by an accident or flooding which I've heard you talk about negatively. What questions can I ask about the car to try to steer clear of a lemon? Thank you. You are the first thing I listen to every morning. It's a great way to start my day.
0: Well, Vicki, thank you very much for that. So I always talk about when you buy a used car, how important it is to have a used vehicle you're considering buying checked out by a mechanic. Even more important with a salvage title or rebuilt title vehicle that a vehicle could, could end up with a salvage title just from airbags having deployed. Or it could have been because the vehicles had major, major structural impact from an accident that you don't see as an individual consumer after the vehicle's been rebuilt. That's why you can either have it evaluated by a body shop independent body shop that checks the vehicle out for you or have it checked out by a a mobile roving mechanic and but when you hire that person you need to make sure that they have knowledge and expertise in evaluating frame damage but it is something that I'm hearing more from people about as used vehicle prices spiked so much in 20 and 21 They're now down about roughly, I guess, 15% from where they were a year ago for used vehicles. The price trend is your friend. The timing is not your friend because you need it now. And we're just in the beginnings of the good of used vehicle prices normalizing, returning to more normal levels and not in time for you. So one other thing you can consider, I don't know your personal situation, your family situation, how old your vehicle is. If you have an older vehicle that you've been driving and you completely trust it and feel good about your daughter driving that, maybe she drives that and you buy a newer vehicle for you if that works in your budget. That would be another way potentially to approach it. And I want you to know as you go into this weekend, I hope you have an absolutely wonderful weekend. And if you're at a point in your life that it feels like you keep getting punched in the mouth and you keep getting knocked to the canvas, my late father would talk over and over again about how life is 99 rounds. And we're really tested only by the down rounds, not the good rounds. Know that Just because you've had a tough round doesn't mean that the next one's not going to be a good one. So you put that mouthpiece back in, you get back up and you go to that next round of life because yeah, now may be tough, but you have no idea what kind of joy and opportunity could be ahead for you or someone you love. Have a great day.